I'm just aware that there's a bunch of people here tonight and you've really, I guess, recently said yes to kind of going on a, uh, on a journey of following Jesus. You said, yes, that's something I want to do. I want to believe in Jesus. And I just think it's really important that... Um, you know, over the last few weeks we've been doing it, and we continue just to really talk about who Jesus is and, and what, what's the character of God. And, and I guess as we're looking at the character of God, we're looking at it through the lens of Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, because who knows, there's a, there's a lot of pictures of, of God in the Bible, right? There's, you can kind of get a picture of God to justify just about anything. And I think that's why Jesus ultimately have to, had to come and say, look, you got a bunch of stuff, but you still don't get who the Father is. You've got to look to me to see what God is really like. So we're just spending a bit of time just talking about the character of God and who He is. And I, I hope if you're new to this journey of faith that it's encouraging for you and um, inspiring, I guess, to get to know a little bit about who this Jesus is that you've decided to follow. So I'm really excited about the message tonight. Um, and I'm excited about it. I wanted to start by sharing a story of, uh, of me back in the day. Back in the day, I used to be, um, I was actually a news cameraman, if I haven't told you that story already. Probably told you a hundred times. Jack's nodding, like, yeah, we've heard that every second week. Um, so I used, to, I used to work for a local news company, and I'd go around kind of like filming stories and stuff. It was really, really an awesome job. Uh, and I remember one time I'd been in the job, I was pretty new, maybe within the first six months of being there, and we did what we call a puff piece, right? Uh, if you don't know this exists, it's, it's because the news has the same amount of time every night. Uh, there's not the same amount of news every day. So sometimes you've just got to find something to fill the time that looks like news, but it's probably not. Um, so we went out to this beautiful B&B. A few people here are rocked, like, what? <laughs> every, I can't believe everything on the news. Well, you can believe it, but... It's just whether it's important or not, it's up to you to decide. Um, but we went out to this a beautiful B&B out towards Crow's Nest, and I think it was a story about tourism or something like that. And I, I really put a lot of effort into this job. I was, you know, getting all the artistic shots. I'm, I'm going to inspire people to visit Crow's Nest. And uh, with the journalists, we're getting really creative. We did this amazing, what we call a piece to camera, which is where the journalist kind of speaks to the camera. You know, and, and now you'll see it all the time. But in the story, like they do the voiceover, and then all the sudden you've got the journalist kind of like walking down, talking like this to the camera. Like, uh, you know, they're probably going down Margaret Street like people of Toowoomba say, such and such. Anyway, I thought we'll get creative with this. And the journalist actually, um, he put on board shorts and had a suit jacket on. And for our piece of camera, he started sitting in a hot tub and stood up out of the hot tub, emerged from the hot tub while he was saying something. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty proud of how this story is turning out. Um, and we finished it, and we actually, we spent way too much time on this, okay? We spent like two hours. We were already kind of getting messages from the bosses being like, speed it up, you know, there's probably more important things going on. And this is back for people who are maybe under the age of, uh, um, I don't know, maybe 20. The, the, the camera shot, actually, this might be for everyone. The, sh the camera shot onto like a disc, which was kind of, it kind of looked like a floppy disc, if you know what a floppy disc is. Uh, if you don't, it's before CDs. If you don't, before Spotify, um, before USBs, before Bluetoothing songs to each other, there was this thing called like a CD. And you used to have to put the disc in and it would record to the disc. It was where the hard drive was. And what you would do is you would take the disc out, you'd put it in its case, you'd put another disc in and delete everything from the disc that you put in so that next thing you filmed, you know, it was a, was a blank disc. Somehow, I managed to take the disc out and put the disc back in 
and then delete everything that we just filmed. Um, and have you ever been, you know that feeling where you know you're going to get in trouble, but you haven't got in trouble yet? Has, does anyone, is anyone familiar with that feeling? That, this is all I felt for about, you know, 30 minutes back from Crow's Nest to the TV station, and then the bosses were kind of on lunch, so I went and had lunch and just sweated bullets the whole time. I was like, oh, I'm in so much trouble. I just, I tried to make myself look busy. I was tidying things. And finally, the boss called me into his office and I thought, here we go. Like, I'm done. And you know that feeling where it's like, I'm about to like, I I don't know what to expect. I just know it's not going to be good. And I remember the boss surprisingly sitting me down and he said, obviously, that was dumb. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it was. And he said, my policy is you can make a stupid mistake as long as you only make it once. And essentially said, it's okay, like, keep, keep, it's all good. You're doing a great job. It happens to the best of us kind of thing. And let me go. And I remember in that moment feeling like I'd really experienced an incredible level of grace because I thought this guy could blow his top. I've wasted all this time. I've, we now have to find a minute and a half to fill in the bulletin tonight. Uh, so we went, I don't know, we filmed something else that wasn't important. Probably some cat in a tree or something like that. We're like, news, <laughs> front page, the Chronicle kind of stuff. And, um, and, but, but I remember it was like I was surprised by the response that I got. And I think we'd all, like I said, be familiar with that feeling of not being sure where you stand with someone. Maybe not being sure of the response you're going to be met with when you approach someone. Again, maybe it's you've done something and you know your parents have found out and you're just waiting to get in trouble. And I guess it sometimes can lead us to the question, if we're on a journey of following Jesus, um, what does God think about me? And, and what can I expect from God? How does he view me? What does he think about me? I wonder if you've ever asked that question before. And, and we talk about it a lot, but sometimes we can get voices in our head that kind of maybe tell us different things about how God thinks about us or how God thinks us. And, you know, it, it, we could say things like, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Um, I, I think I'd rate myself pretty good. Uh, but I, I've done things and said things and thought things that I'm not proud of. Um, So what can I expect when I come to God? Many images of him, but I think, again, we've got to look to what Jesus says. So tonight I want to go to a classic, classic story in the Bible. So again, if you're new to faith, this is a good one. Keep coming back to this one. It's a good story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's the story of the, it's the parable of the lost son in Luke 15. Who's heard this one? It's a goodie. Strap yourself in and, and hopefully we're going to see something that we haven't seen before or maybe just a fresh look of it. So why don't we pray before we jump in here. Jesus, we just thank you that as we approach Scripture this evening, you would open our hearts and speak your truth into our lives. That these words that were written many years ago would come alive to us in a fresh and life transformational way. Amen. Turn the person beside you and say, I'm ready. All right, very good. Let's start in verse 11. So basically, this is Jesus telling a parable. He's telling a story about what God is like. So it goes on. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. So just remember, this is a, this is a story, okay? He's not talking about a literal man and two sons, okay? It's just, just we're getting on the same page here. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, can I just start? Bold move, okay? Um, Not recommending going home saying to your parents, give me my inheritance now. Like, that's rough, right? Usually you wait till after your parents die to get your inheritance. You don't go up to them and say, like, I wish you were dead. Can I have the money? Um, And it goes on verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son 
got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. Then he squandered his wealth in wild living. He wasted all the money. After he'd spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And I, just a side note here, but it's interesting how our actions don't always have instant consequences. Sometimes our actions just get us in the wrong place and at the right time we find ourselves in the wrong place and we can find ourselves caught out in left field. So he went on and he hired him out, himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I mean, can you just, just start to imagine this? You're in a place where you're so hungry that pig food is looking tasty. Like, I mean, we're not even just talking about food that wouldn't be tasty. This is food that should not be consumed. And he's going, yeah, nice. Jeez, I, I could go for that half-chewed, half-chewed cucumber. He's out there. He's longing to eat some of this food. And it says, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's going through, what am I going to say to my father? What am I going to, what excuses am I going to give? What am I going to do? You know, planning your apology. Like, what am I going to say? Can I, can I swing this so it looks a little bit better than it does? And this son said, I'm just going to go and I'm going to apologize. And I'm going to say, just, just make me a servant. I don't even want to be treated as a son. I just want to have a place to, to sleep at night, essentially. So it says he got up and he went to his father. And I love this so much. It says, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And it says, the son said to him, and this is where he's about to go into his little monologue that he's been practicing of God, I'm so, of, of, of dad, I'm so sorry, I've done the wrong thing. And it says, uh, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But then I love this. The father doesn't even let him finish. The father interrupts him and starts talking to his servants and says, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful story? Isn't it? Sorry, that came across as rhetorical. I was, I was hoping for some feedback about Just agree that's a good story? Yes. Anyone who's sad about the cow, um, it's, it's not a real story, okay? Jesus was telling this story. The cow didn't actually die. If he told it these days, it would have been like a Beyond Meats burger that got prepared. So, um, so don't stress about that. Don't let the cow dying <laughs> let you miss the point. And I think this is a beautiful, beautiful story where we see the love of the father. And I just love the thought that the father is waiting at the gate. He sees his son coming a long way off. He, he was waiting for his son to return and he runs and he greets him. And it's a beautiful story. And I guess I want to look at what does that actually mean for us? What does this old story that Jesus said, what truths does it hold for us? And I hope this is going to be helpful for you this evening. Are you ready? And probably the first thing just to note, the reason Jesus is saying this, the Father obviously representing God, the Father's heart of God. So the first thing we can see is that God's love 
is unconditional. That God's love is unconditional. In that the son, he had nothing to offer his father. He came back empty-handed. I've wasted your money. I've been, a, I've been a bad son. I've had wasteful living. I have nothing to offer. I don't know if you can relate to that sometimes. Sometimes it can feel like, I, I don't know if I have anything to offer to God. I don't know what God sees in me. And the son comes with nothing to offer, but we see the response of the father, that this father is waiting, ready to show his love to his son. And I really believe that this evening, maybe that's something that's new for you, the thought of a father that loves you. Can I just say that God is waiting to show you, he's waiting and ready to show you his love this evening. The condition of receiving God's love is that you want to receive it, that you're ready to receive it. It's not conditional, tidy yourself up a bit and then you can receive love. It's right now, right where you are, no matter what your life's been like, no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what school you went to, no matter how much money your parents have, you can receive God's love. It's unconditional love. It's not even on the condition that you replicate that love. God loves you so much that He would unconditionally offer you His love. God is waiting to show you that tonight. And it's that you are loved not because of what you bring, but because of who you are. That's why God loves you. It's not because you have something to offer God. It's because you are a child of God. Yes, I am. Isn't that a good song? I probably shouldn't go into karaoke mode. But that, that's why. That's, you, God's love for you, it's unconditional. It's not you have something, so I give you something. It's you are my child, so I love you. You earned it the moment you were born. You, earned, you, you, you can receive God's love from that moment, which means that you can belong, again, not because of what you do. And, and I hope you hear my heart in this tonight. Maybe you're a part of a team, you're serving somewhere. Can I just say that you belong and you're a part of this I guess this community of faith, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. It's not because we love you because you're a great worship leader, Sam. We love you because you're Sam. Who loves Sam? We love Sam. Um, you know, that, that's why you belong is because of who you are. It's not because you've changed to become more lovable. It's just receive that love. And, and I think we've just got to be, I guess we've got to see God's heart in this. God's heart is that every person would receive his love as a child. And I, I love this in Ephesians, and I might just cut it down a little bit, but um, just something that really stood out to me this week. It, I guess the writer of Ephesians talking to people about, I guess, a time where people were setting up rules for these people can receive God's love and these people can't receive God's love. Back then it was like, the Jews, yep, you're in. The Gentiles, nope, you're out. Sorry, God is for these people. He's not for those people. And, and I love what's written here. It says, it's a bit of a chunk, but I think we'll get through it. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, or basically people who aren't Jewish, uh, by birth and called uncircumcised or basically said you don't belong by those who call themselves the circumcision. Also, not a great name to call yourselves. Just, <laughs> I mean, you're thinking of a group name, so go with something else. Um, and, and I love what he notes that, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And, and 
I think we've got a note here. What he's saying is, for a long time, humans have been saying, you don't belong. You are not a part of this. God's love is not for you. But then Paul, who writes it, goes on and says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, or you could say far away in the eyes of people, have now been brought close by the blood of Christ. How cool is that? God is not far from you. God's love is close to you. You've been brought close by Jesus. And I love what it goes on. It says, For He Himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside His flesh, uh, the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, which he put to death, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of of his household. Do you want to know what the heart of God is? The heart of God is to knock down any wall, any barrier, anything that might stand in the way of you feeling like you're a part of this. God says, I'm against that. I'm against anything that says you don't belong. I'm against anything that says you're not loved. I'm against anything that says you're not worthy. That's what I came to get rid of. And I think it's so, as humans, we can put up these these walls and these barriers, even in our own mind of who, who deserves it and who doesn't. But Jesus is saying, Paul's saying, the reason Jesus came was to knock down walls so that you would belong and be a part of God's house. Isn't that amazing? You are a part of the Father's house. Jesus is saying, you are welcome. So what's that mean for us? It means, hey, you can live confidently. You can live boldly knowing that you're a part of God's family, that you don't have to try earn a place at the table. A place has been given. All you need to do is come and sit. Come and sit and receive. So God's love is unconditional. That's good, right? Is that good news? I feel like that's good news. I feel like I don't have a stack to offer God. I mean, I'm gifted and stuff, and, and like, I'm pretty handsome, I think, Talitha, you know, but I don't have like a lot to offer. I love that God actually offers me His love. He offers a way to be a part of His family. And there's not, again, it's not conditional. It's receive. It's join. Sit and have a place at the table. So God's love is unconditional. God's love is also transformational. So God's love loves you as you are right, how you are right now in this moment. But the thing about God's love is it's so good that it it doesn't leave you the way that it finds you. And I think that's really good news to any of us who are honest, okay? Any of us who are honest, there's stuff in my life that I want to change. And the good news about Jesus is He loves you as you are, as you come, right as you sit right now, but actually His love is so good. It's got the power to transform your entire life. I think that is good news. And we see it with the son who comes in rags and he's given robes. He's given the family ring, his sadness. He goes from sadness to joy. The father says, hey, come in. I love you how you are. Stinky, pig-covered son. Come and have robes. Come and have a ring. It's not like, hey, tidy yourself up a little bit and then, then maybe we'll do some nice stuff from you. It's not. Instantly, there's a transformation from sadness to joy, from 
outsider to insider, from I don't belong to no, actually you're a part of the family. And actually the ring is actually kind of just a little bit of history on the ring that he's given. It's, it was essentially having the family ring basically meant that you had access to the, fi- to the family's money. It basically meant that's kind of how you signed for stuff is that you would have your ring and it would be press it into like some wax and make a seal. And it was like, I actually have the authority to make this purchase. So not only is the son, it's like, yeah, you can come in, but you're just like one tier above the servants. It's like, no, you're restored to the place that you were in. That's God's heart for you. Isn't that beautiful? That, that it's not about just come as you are and stay as you are. It's come as you are and experience life how you could only ever imagine it. Come and experience life whole. Come and experience life healed. Come and experience a life of joy. Come and experience a life with purpose. Hey, you might feel down now. Come and experience vision from God. You might feel like this is all there is, but come and experience more with Jesus. It's come as you are, but He never leaves us that way. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's because we have to receive the power of God's love to actually be able to change. The, the power of change is not in try harder, read your Bible more, pray more, come to church more. They're good things, but the power to transform and the power to change actually comes from receiving God's love. I love what it says in Romans 2 um, verse 4. It just says, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I think that's a beautiful thought that it's actually God's kindness, God's love for us that helps us to transform the way that we live. Now, that word for repentance, it's a Greek word, metanoia. Turn the person beside you and say, metanoia, metanoia. And what it means is, um, it essentially means to change your thinking about something. And I think for a long time, uh, probably the word repentance is one of those really like Christianese words, right? Um, You've probably heard it in the context of repent, you sinner, repent. And it's often like a a little bit of an ugly word, I suppose. But I I love the, the picture in the Greek is change your thinking. When you repent of something, it's not come and throw yourself on the ground and show God how sorry you are. It's see it in a different way. See it in a different way. Get a different picture of what your future could be like. When I, when I come and I repent, it's simply me coming and saying, hang on, I don't want to think this way anymore. I want to think like this. Coming and saying, hey, you know, I actually used to think really negatively about myself, but I repent of that thinking, and I'm going to think how God thinks about me. That's what repentance is. It's a pathway back to the life that God is calling you to live. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I want to repent more. <laughs> and, and, and I love that. Repentance is it's God's kindness that leads us to that. As we experience how good God is, as we experience His love, it actually makes me transform from the inside out. It's a fresh perspective that maybe this behavior or this way of thinking, this part hurt, past hurt, this offense, it's not helping me. So I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to think differently about that and actually try to see things the way that God sees them. So powerful. I mean, a question for us is, if if God's love is what transforms us, are you still being transformed by the love of God? If if you're saying, I'm someone who's on a journey of following Jesus, are you still allowing God's love to transform you? 
Because it's funny how it doesn't take long for me to get back to this point of striving where I need to change this. I need to fix this. I'm still struggling with that thing I used to struggle with and I've got to fix that or God's not going to love me. And it's like, no, 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 no. Come and receive God's love. It's transformational. It leads to a change of thinking. It leads to the power to actually change my behavior. God's not about just changing behavior. He's about healing stuff on the inside. God doesn't really deal with the stuff out here because he deals with the stuff in here. He wants to speak to you in here. He wants to transform you on the inside. So it's good news. It doesn't come through striving. It comes through overflowing with God's love. It means that you don't have to live life as a victim. You're an overcomer. You are enough with Jesus. There is more for you. God's love is transformational. That's good news, right? Good. I think so too. And my final thought is that God's love never gives up. So God's love is unconditional. God's love is transformational. So God's love is come as you are. It's transformational because you won't stay that way because of how much he loves you. And also God's love never gives up. And I might just get the keys to join me if that's cool. Um, It goes on here in Luke 15, and this is a bit we didn't read before, just straight after. So the the father has brought the son in. He's slapped on his best Gucci robe. He's put his ring on his finger. And they're having a party. They're having a celebration because his son who was lost, who everyone else had given up on, had returned home. They're having this celebration, this party. And it goes on in verse 25, and it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. So this is the guy who stayed and worked for his dad. It says, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He's like, hang on, what's this celebration? What's what's this over here? What's going on? Um, And the servant says, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Remember, it didn't really happen. Okay, so don't stress about that. Uh, They had a barbecue uh, because he has him back safe and sound. So it's like, hey, good news, your brother has actually returned. Isn't that amazing? And and then we see the older brother's response that says the older brother, he actually became angry and refused to go into the party. So instead of joining the celebration, he decides, I don't don't want to be a part of that. And he goes on and, and I love what it says here. It says, so his father went out and pleaded with him. He went out and pleaded to the older son, hey, would you come in and celebrate with us? But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of you, yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And it goes on, it says, My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And Jesus ends the story there. That's where he finishes the story. But I just love that, that in that, and even the older brother being like, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to celebrate with my brother. He doesn't deserve that. Do you know where God is? Uh, do you know where, where the father is or where God is? He's outside pleading with the son. Would you come in and join the party? Would you come in and celebrate? Would you come in and celebrate what's happened in your brother's life as well? The father, I love this, does not give up on the older brother, but goes out and pleads with him. Would you come and be a part of the party? And then he leaves it open-ended, Jesus. So it's almost like, what's the older brother gonna do? 
is he going to come in or is he going to stay out? And I think that's the question that's posed to us this evening. Are you ready to step in and receive God's love? What's your response to the Father pleading with you, come and join the party? And and one thing I just, I I saw it recently in this story and I, I hadn't seen it before and I was really, I guess, convicted about this, was why wasn't the younger son out with the father pleading that the older son come back in? Like the father, where's he? He cares so much about both of his sons that he would leave the party to go after the one that was deciding not to join the party. And, and but, but the other son, I don't know, maybe it was that he didn't yet have an understanding that God's love is not just for me, but my father's love is not just for me, that his love is for everybody, that everyone's invited to the party, that everyone should be a part, part of the party. And I don't know what it was, but something kept the older son, the younger son, sorry, in the party. And I was just so convicted that, you know, I've received God's grace. I feel like I've stepped in the party. I've experienced God's love. I've experienced God's mercy. But I've got to be so careful that I don't get so content in the party that I don't go out and plead with my brothers to come and experience that all God has for them. I think that's the challenge for us tonight, church, that let's not just get so caught up in the party, in the moment, in the church service, that we forget that there's people out there that are hurting. There's people out there that don't know that they're welcome at the party. There's people out there that think, oh, well, you know, it all happens for those people in the church, but nothing happens for me. Come on, church, our job is to leave this building, to go out through those doors and tell people that they are welcome at the party that their God, their Father loves them, that He cares for them, that His love is unconditional, that His love is transformational, that there is an invitation for them. Come on, somebody. I hope you're excited about this like I am. That is our job, is to not stay in the party, to stay where we're comfortable, to stay and and hoard to ourselves God's love. Our job is to spread it and to be carriers and reflectors of the amazing God that we have. So the question is, Have you become comfortable in the party? God's love, man, it's not just for you. It's for you, but it's not just for you. And I wonder what the story would look like if if the younger son had caught the father's heart that this isn't just about me. This is about somebody, this is about about my brother as well. It's like the story of the... uh, you know, Jesus leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one. That is the heart of God, friend. That no one would be left behind. That nobody is excluded. That nobody isn't welcome. Everybody is welcome at the party. And I just want to encourage us with that. Hey, let's, let's have a think about our own lives and maybe ponder over a few things. Firstly, are you living with the confidence of someone who belongs to the family? You know, if God's love is unconditional and it means that you belong, are you living in a way that actually reflects that confidence? It reflects that I have a place at the table. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to earn a spot. I don't have to earn God's acceptance. I don't have to earn God's love. Are you living in a way that reflects that? And then more so, are you being transformed by God's love? I I, I challenge you to to look in yourself. You've been following Jesus for a while and, and ask yourself the question, what's Jesus transforming within me? And if you can't see anything, maybe the question is, what stopped me from receiving God's transformational love? And, and I, would, I, would hesit, I, would, I would guess that it's often the fact that we've brought transformation into our hands instead of leaving it in God's hands. We've been trying to fix it ourselves. We've been trying to fix ourselves where God says, no, no, it's my love. It's my kindness that leads to repentance. And the final question, I guess, for all of us is, 
have you become too comfortable in the party? And, and this isn't meant to be a feel guilty thing. And, and when I, man, when I kind of had this revelation, it wasn't, oh, I'm so bad. It was just like, man, I am so challenged that, that, that my existence is to share with people how good God's love is. That I can't be too comfortable just in the week by week and the day by day in my own relationship with God that I become so self-centered and it's all just about me and God. It's, it's not just about me and God. It's about me helping other people experience God. So I just wanted to, maybe there's somebody um, that you've given up on in a sense. Maybe someone that, you know, you've, you've been praying for for a long time or you were praying for for a long time. And it's, it's almost like they just refuse to come to the party. And, and maybe something on the inside's almost given up. Can I just say that God never gives up on people? So keep praying for that person. Keep encouraging that person. Keep loving that person. Keep reflecting God to that person. There is nobody who is too far gone for the love of God. And, and, and finally, maybe you've actually given up on yourself. Maybe that's who you've given up on. You've given up on yourself. You've written yourself off as unlovable, as not belonging. Can I just say, it's, that's a lie. You, you're not unlovable. You're a child of God. You have a place to belong and you can be confident in that. You can be confident in that belonging. So come on, how good is the love of God? I actually called the message a love like no other. And I didn't say that at the start. So let's end with the title. There is no other love like the love that God has for you. So if you're new on this journey, man, press into it. Get to know God's love because it's transformational and it's powerful. And if you're not new to the journey, lean into God's love. It's transformational and it's powerful. But don't forget, it's not just for you. God doesn't give up on people. He wants to use us to reach the whole world, starting with your family, your community, your friends, the people in your soccer club, whoever it might be. There is no love like God's love.